On behalf of the downtown Cantonese congregation, I want to send my greetings to every one of you who are sitting here and everyone who are watching online, whether it is through live or through the recording. And I'm so glad today to see all of you, both uh, through the computer and through the pulpit. And of course, we hope that in the near future, we can all worship God together, no matter through what media. But I exhort all of us, no matter what stage of life we go through, may we stay strong in our faith towards the Lord and be a missional community in the downtown core and in our lives. Well, many things cause us to feel despair, sad, and angry in our daily lives. These feelings can quickly pass if whatever we face are minor. But if they were major events that caused us to feel sad, despair, or angry, these feelings may linger, and we need much more time to be comforted. And if bad things continue to accumulate one after another, we can feel even more painful, even sadder. And some people can even go into depression. As you read Haggai, chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 9 today, its background dealt with the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. However, people were disappointed with their efforts, feeling that God was absent from them. God, in response, encouraged the people who remained to be in Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. They became the province named Yehud under the empire of Persia. God encouraged the people to look up towards his presence and sovereignty while they felt despair in their rebuilding work. We face many things that have disappointed us and will continue to disappoint us over the past 16 months. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 9 teaches us that we can still be strong in the Lord during these disappointments. Why can we be strong in the Lord? We can be strong in the Lord because God is present with us. Chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 5. And God shakes up our lives. Chapter 2, verse 6 to verse 9. God is still present with us. As we read from Haggai chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 5. The historical background of Haggai occurred 
after some of the exiled Israelites returned to the land of Judea. You see, the people of Israel live under the kingdom of Israel with the rule of David and Solomon. But after Solomon had died, the kingdom was split into the north and the south. The north was called Israel. The south was called Judah. And the temple which Solomon built under the Lord's instructions remained in Jerusalem. However, the Israelites in both kingdoms sinned tremendously, and they did not repent. They burned incense to idols in many regional high places and in the temple of Jerusalem. They worshipped many idols that they uh, imported from the nearby kingdoms, and they committed many crimes against the poor people. They mistreated orphans, widows, and sojourners, and they did not repent. Therefore, God punished them by allowing a nation called the Chaldeans to invade Jerusalem, to burn down the temple built by Solomon, to send the Israelites into exile for 70 years as the prophets Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah, and many other prophets in the Bible has described. After the years of exile, God granted the remaining people of Israel the privilege to return to the land. But a new empire has risen, and it's called Persia, located today in Iran. That's why if you see people from Iran, some of them like to call themselves Persians, not Iranians, because they took pride of the kingdom of Persia. Under Persia, under King Cyrus, they returned to the land of Israel. They were given the permission to rebuild the burnt temple and, of course, their homes. But the people of Judea were reduced to a province, a province called Yehud. They were subject to the rule of Persia. They could no longer have their own independent kingdom. The foundation of the temple was built under Cyrus. And this background can be found in the book of Ezra, in the first four chapters. The foundation was built, but the effort eventually stopped because of oppositions against the remnant of uh, the people of Yehud. Then God called prophets Haggai and Zechariah to exhort and challenge the Yehudites to rebuild the temple. 
and God's call of Haggai and Zechariah can be found in Ezra chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. So if you read this uh, portion of the Bible, you can read the book of Ezra, Haggai, and Zechariah together. Ezra will provide the background of Haggai and Zechariah. So Haggai chapter 1 discusses people's lack of effort and passion in rebuilding the temple. They felt because of opposition that, oh, the time to rebuild, the time to serve the Lord is not here. So then they turned their minds and hearts to do their own things by restoring their own economy and to build their own houses. However, God, through the power of Haggai, told the Yehudites that this was not God's will. Don't just focus on building their homes and leave the serving and the ministry of God in rebuilding the temple wasted and abandoned. That's why God punished the people of Yehud with natural disasters if we read from Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 11. So in response to God's admonitions and punishments, people led by Governor Zerubbabel, High Priest Joshua, to resume the rebuilding work in chapter 1, verse 12 to 15. The foundation of the temple was eventually fully laid in chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 9. But people started to feel disappointed. Some older people saw the glamour of the first temple, Haggai chapter 2, verse 3 says, and felt that the structure of the rebuilding temple and the temple's social political status have been reduced the ones who are older started to compare between the two buildings. They felt that their effort was not enough. They felt that the building structure, the scale, and also the temple's significance politically was no longer the same because they were only a province. They were no longer independent. And some scholars believe, and I do agree with it to some degree, that deep inside their spirits, they felt that because of the circumstances and because of the exile that they experienced in the past, God was not with them. God was not present with them. So they felt disappointed. And they could not experience God's sovereignty, presence, and leadership. So God exhorted and encouraged the people of Yehud in Haggai chapter 2, verse 4, by commanding them to be strong three times. First time, to Zerubbabel, the governor. Second time, towards the high priest Joshua. 
third time towards the civilians. God promised two more things in chapter 2, verse 5. God promised to people that he will remain in the midst and they should not fear. The word remain literally means to stand in Hebrew. It indicates that God continued to be with people with his authority and power. God recalled the covenant that he made with with the people of Israel uh, since Exodus. In chapter 2, verse 5, it says, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, God invoked the Sinai covenant that he made when Moses, the ancestors of the remnant, God invoked this covenant to remind people that, see, the covenant that I made with your ancestors, with Moses in Mount Sinai, which is the identity that the remnant was supposed to have, it still stood. The covenant that God made, the covenant that the people of Israel broke by sinning. Now that God brought them back, God would restore. Through this restoration, God proclaimed that he is still in the midst. God also promised that because I am now with you, do not fear, I'm back. My covenant with you remains. And the word stand, which in the English translation means remain, also reminded the people of Yehud that God stood upon them when he sent the pillar of cloud and led the people to where they should go in the Exodus. At nighttime, God sent the pillar of fire to guide the people of Israel to journey through the wilderness under his leadership and under Moses' guidance. His presence and covenant did not change. However, people abandoned God and people doubted God in the exile. But God did not abandon them. God still loved the people and God was still in their midst. That's why God could encourage the governor, the high priest, and the remnant to be strong when they experience disappointment under the service to the Lord. Indeed, people could feel disappointed. People could doubt God's presence in the days of Haggai because they felt that the temple building's glamour and social status has been reduced. Let's examine our hearts today. What unfulfilled hopes and expectations do we carry today? 
What do we feel disappointed about in our hearts, in our spirits, and in our minds? I'm happy to see all of you, both face-to-face and online through the camera. And also, some of you who are sitting in the third floor with your children. I am happy to see every one of you today. But don't we all long for in-person worships and fellowships without any restrictions like we had in the past? Don't we all hope that God can lead us to come back and fill up all these seats without any restrictions? And more people, more new people can come in with us like we had before. I feel that all of us want that from all congregations. I'm sure that many of us miss each other in person. I miss seeing all of you as well for 16 months, hopefully not counting. Or we may hope for success in our studies and job applications, but things have not worked out yet. Or if we study in school, we feel disappointed that we did not receive the GPA that we wish in order to get into a graduate or a professional program. Some of us may struggle to settle into a career after university, transitioning between various jobs that we don't desire for, maybe for the purpose just to earn some income for ourselves or to repay OSAP. When we only fix our eyes in these disappointments in our lives, such as being unable to see each other in person for worship and fellowships, we can begin to lose faith and doubt whether God looks after us at all. But let the Bible, let God's word in Haggai chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, encourage us that, yes, God is still with us when our hopes and expectations temporarily fail. He is still dwelling among us today. He is still leading us to worship him today, even though only a limited number of us can be present in person. But God is still in our midst. God is still with us, whether we're in person, in the sanctuary, in the third floor, or we are online. His presence remains the same. His covenant towards the Israelites never changed 
after the exodus, after the exile, after the return from the exile, God's covenants towards us through the sacrifice of Jesus that establishes his lordship towards us. This covenant never changes and it will remain the same forever. But the problem is that we change. We need to realize that our hearts, beliefs, and minds change. We may take the love of God and His guidance for granted to the extent that He'll give us everything that we ask for. When God does not deliver according to our timeline, because we will wish that God to fulfill us in the things that we ask for when we pray. But if God does not do that, we start losing hope. Some of us can start deserting and abandoning Him. I encourage us today to reflect on the unchanging sovereignty of God, the unchanging covenant and presence of God. His grace, His sacrificial love has never changed. What kindled us to receive God's grace and love and sacrifice in the past? What brings us to this church to worship Him? What brings us to say, yes, Lord, I want you to be in my life to be your Savior. I want to serve you for the rest of my life in the past. What made us declare that we want to be children of God in the past? Especially in the midst of this pandemic especially with all these limitations that we don't know when it's going to end, let us return to God and ask ourselves what made us become His followers. He is still unchanging and may He encourage us as we reflect that He wants us to continue to love him. God shows us that his sovereignty never changes. He is still inviting us to see the society from his view. He wants us to see that his sovereignty and love and presence remains the same, not just in our midst in this building, but also in the midst of the community of downtown Toronto, Chinatown, universities nearby, and also the ones whom we encounter at work, at school, and at home. Many people outside this church building need to connect with God. God reveals to us 
that the need for us to be a missional community is even more real and urgent than before the pandemic. Yes, God is still present among us today. His love, His covenant is unchanging. Because of that, God wants us to be strong. Imagine God says to the elders, me and other pastors, all the deacons, the board members, and all of our congregants to be strong. Be strong, elders. Be strong, pastors. Be strong, deacons, board members. Be strong, every one of us. That's what God is saying to us. He invites us to be a missional community. This call is stronger than ever, in my opinion. Let us also think, which non-Christian family member, friend, or the ones whom we might have encountered in person or online, will God want us to encounter and engage? We can ask God to stir our hearts to be strong and have faith in Him and bring us to go out and meet non-Christians, touching them with the love of God and the salvation in this age. The second reason for us to be strong in the Lord while facing disappointments is that God shakes up our lives. Chapter 2, verse 6 to verse 9. God proclaims that he will shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. The word shake denotes a major event such as an earthquake, as in Amos chapter 1, verse 2. Shaking reveals that God is sovereign. God is presence. And God will further shake all nations in Haggai chapter 2, verse 7. So all nations will come to the temple that is rebuilding. Human beings, none of us, is able to shake or quake heavens, earth, sea, and dry land. But when God proclaims such power and capabilities, he manifests his sovereignty and lordship towards people. He can do things that are much more powerful than we are capable of. We, remem we remember that a couple of weeks ago, tornadoes landed in Ontario, especially in Barrie, showing us that, yes, we need to pray for the ones who suffer damages, but also God is sovereign. God is much more powerful than us. A more concrete 
and closer to home example is that this pandemic brings us to realize that we are so affected by a virus that none of us can see with our naked eye. God is also telling us that He is more sovereign and powerful than all of us because our lives get shaken up completely by something that we cannot see. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, God did not explain the specific date and time for in a little while. He didn't say when that little while is going to be. Instead of providing a timeline for his power and actions to be manifested among the Yehudites, God wanted them to once again experience his sovereignty, lordship, and presence among them. Despite the fact that people had their doubts, God's power, God's guidance, God's ownership never changes. God would lead and preside the completion of the rebuilding of the temple. Silver and gold are precious materials in the realm of human beings, but God has greater power over them. In verse two, in, in verse eight, God also reminded the Yehudites that His presence and glory over the temple are much more important than the building's size, political status, and the possessions of gold and silver. Solomon built the first temple. The most important thing of that temple was actually not its size, but is the presence of the Lord's glory. The temple, another meaning, is the house, is the house of God, where the presence of the Lord dwells. But as the Israelites sin against God, in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18 to 19, God's glory left the temple. God's glory departed from the temple. God left the people because they sinned, and God allowed them to be conquered, to be exiled. The temple was allowed to be destroyed and burned down. After the Israelites had returned from the Babylonian exile, God returned among them. God's glory in Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 says, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. The Lord's glory returns. And that's the most important thing. This second temple, which the biblical scholars identify as the second temple, yes, the glory of this temple was greater than the first. How do we know that? Because this temple, after it had been rebuilt, stood 
in, New, in the New Testament times. This second temple stood in the times of Jesus. Jesus visited this temple many times in his earthly life. Jesus, as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord himself, as flesh, dwelt in the temple. As a baby, Joseph and Mary brought him to receive the blessings of Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 38. When Jesus was 12 years old, he stayed in the temple and asked questions about the scriptures to the scribes and the teachers. Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 52. He triumphantly entered Jerusalem and drove out all the money changers who defiled the temple a week before he was crucified. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to verse 17. Jesus' presence at the temple fulfills Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, that yes, the latter glory of the house was indeed greater than the first, much greater than the temple that Solomon built, and beyond the imaginations of the Yehudites during the time of Haggai. When we feel disappointed, it is because we fix our minds and hearts on the things that we physically encounter every day. It is so easy for us to see the bad things in our lives and feel pessimistic about it. And I admit that myself is included. We want God to fulfill them according to our expectations and timeline. We want God to line the ducks in a row according to what we want and what we hope. I believe that Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 to verse 9 teaches us, us to reorient our faith in order for us to be able to be strong in God when we face disappointments. God shook the heavens, the earth, in the time of Haggai. His glory will return to the people in the province of Yehud. But God also shakes our lives today. God shakes our church and our community in downtown Toronto. Let us invite God to shake our lives by inviting him to reorient our faith. As the first song that we listen today, turn our eyes upon Jesus. Maybe too often we turn to our own eyes more than the eyes of the Lord in the eyes of Jesus. It is time for us to reorient our faith by focusing on the sovereignty of the Lord and that we submit to his will. When we reflect on faith, 
we tend to focus on the redemption of our personal sin through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is true, this is important, and we must keep believing in it when we face challenges and trials in our lives. But more significantly, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and God's presence upon us teach us that God is the sovereign God. Let us focus on the fact that God rules the earth and the universe. He is the Lord of our lives by sending Jesus to redeem us from the bondage of sin. Our purposes of life grow towards surrendering ourselves to his sovereignty and dominance by following his will in every step of our lives. To turn our eyes upon Jesus means that we look up to him. We strive to serve him in the manner, in the ethics, attitudes of work, study, our purpose of work and study, and in our ministries of this church, and also in our connections to people in this community and in our circle. We need to invite God's will to permeate through every aspect of our lives, in our speeches, deeds, thoughts, feelings, and desires. When we are at the crossroads in some major decisions of our lives, let us take time to pray and ask God how we can allow God to rule our lives. The Lord's Prayer, as some of us can recite, does not begin with asking God to grant us favors. The Lord's Prayer does not begin with, Oh Lord, we want this and we ask you to fulfill it. The Lord's Prayer does not begin with, Lord, we are sick, heal us. The Lord's Prayer does not begin with, Lord, I don't have a job, may you give us a job. The Lord's Prayer, as we recite, begins with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a moment to ponder about this beginning of the Lord's Prayer. It directs us to look up. Look up to God himself when we face despair. We can only be strong if we look up to God as our Father. We ask for his power and his will to be done on earth and in our lives. Then God will amazingly shake our lives by gradually reshaping our course of beliefs. We learn to see ourselves 
as the ones who manifest the love and the righteousness of God in this world, rather than just asking God to do things for us. God does not promise us to always live in prosperity without any trials and troubles in our earthly lives. Our wishes and dreams will not be fulfilled at times in our lives. It may lead us to feel despair. We may even question God's love and providence. But Haggai chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 9 encourages us that we need to keep being strong and look up to Him and in life's disappointments. Since He is still standing in our midst today, and He shakes our lives beyond our imaginations. May we strive to strongly and faithfully live out God's will in different aspects of our lives. May we seek to glorify Him instead of ourselves and be a missional Christian and be a missional community. Let us pray.